All right, everyone, welcome back to another episode of the Mindful Hunter podcast. I'm your host, as always, Jay Nickel. And today, we're going to do a deep dive into my gear list for a late season alpine mule deer hunt that I'm taking off for in three days, three days, four days. So as always, if you could take the time to like, share, comment, and subscribe, always greatly appreciated. And if you want to support the podcast directly, head over to mindfulhunter.com slash shop, pick yourself up a t-shirt, all the proceeds help to fund everything I do with the Mindful Hunter that is also greatly appreciated. Since our last podcast, I uploaded a how to make bear ham video to YouTube and that shit turned out phenomenal. So I cured it. I smoked it on the Traeger. I roasted it on the Traeger. Super good. So if you're if you're looking for a recipe for smoked bear hams, then head over to YouTube and check that out. I'm pretty happy with how that with how that started off. All right, this week is pretty crazy. So I'm gonna do what I can in the rush of trying to get ready for this hunt, finish up a bunch of work stuff, take care of all my family obligations to still, you know, deliver a focused podcast. But let's stay super on topic and just dive right into it. So current weight. 262 pounds. I was up as high as high as 263. Uh, Hit a bit of a stumbling block this week in regards to food. I got super busy last week, started sneaking in too many fast food meals, thinking, you know, higher calories, easier to get down. And my appetite essentially just went to shit. And I have no one to blame for that, but myself. And yeah, just, I wasn't feeling good. I wasn't processing things good. I wasn't metabolizing things well, started feeling a little sick to my stomach, wasn't having the greatest bowel movements. And I find those cycles a little bit difficult to get out of. So trying to get back on the clean food this week, although also just giving my body a bit of a break. The other thing that happened was I was having issues with my knees and training wasn't getting a bit difficult. And this is all going to me trying to do things a little bit smarter as I get a little bit older. So I was already going to take a week off for the hunt. So I decided I made it to the gym, I think Saturday and Sunday, and I haven't been since, and today's Tuesday. And I got to be honest, man, looking at my calendar, I'm probably not going to train again before I leave for the hunt. And that's okay. So maybe maybe the takeaway from from this week's training and diet section is just like, don't be too hard on yourself. You know, most of the people who listen to this are not professionals in the fitness or physique world. I know I'm certainly not. I think I forget that sometimes and I let other priorities slide because of my interest in my hobbies. And this week I just had to say to myself, listen, man, between work, prepping for the hunt and the podcast, it's just not going to happen. So, so that's, that's, that's what it is. It's just not going to happen. And that's got to be okay sometimes. Now I'm not going to do a gear section this week because, uh, we're going to spend the next, you know, however many 30, 40 minutes going over my, my gear list. So I'm sure there's going to be lots of, you know, gear related information there for people. And you you don't need me to focus on one specific item. So without further ado, let's get to the, the meat of the conversation and that is the gear list for the late season alpine mule deer hunt now bit of context i am heading out with uh spencer and i think tristan might come out for the first couple days uh it is it is a backcountry hunt we're at significant hiking it's going to be more of a base camp style hunt as opposed to a bivy style hunt so i've never been to this particular area but my expectation based on the plans thus far is that there's going to be a really long hike in like 10, 12 miles, super steep, super shitty, but most likely on a trail. Well, definitely on a trail, the quality of the trail, I'm not hundred percent sure of yet, but I think it's actually supposed to be pretty decent. Now, the reason I share all that is to set the stage and the context for the hunt itself, because one of the major contributing factors to the gear that you select is the style of hunt. Is it going to be a bivy hunt? Is it going to be a base camp hunt is going to be a truck hunt. How long is the hunt? What is the terrain like? Another defining characteristic of this particular hunt is going to be rainfall and snowfall and really cold temperatures. 
So it's basically looking like it will do a combination of rain and snow every single day to some degree and have temperatures, you know, negative two to three degrees at night up to, you know, maybe 10 or 12 during the peak of the day, maybe only five or six degrees Celsius during the day, depending on, on the, on the day. So that is also a major factor in the gear that I have selected. Um, so also, like I mentioned, because Spencer's going to be there for the whole thing, I haven't gone over in super fine detail exactly what I'm going to take and what he's going to take yet. So it, it also, there may be some items here that I'm double dipping on that I won't need to take or we'll take mine and he'll leave his back like a, right, right out of the gate. I think of, I think of a stove, for example, I don't think on a hunt like this, it is necessary for us to have two stoves. Okay, so let's dive right in. So the pack, as always, is going to be the Kafaru Fulcrum on a duplex light frame. That weighs exactly 100 ounces. Now for camp, I'm going to be taking my NIAC uh, tent. I was trying to put my hands on a floorless shelter stove combo. I have the Mega Tarp, but to be quite honest with you... Um, you can sit up in that thing, but you're not going to really dry your clothes in it. So I think it is ideal for late season snow hunts where it's cold enough where you're probably not going to get that wet and you're really just looking to stay warm at night and in the mornings when you're, when you're eating and getting changed and stuff like that. I don't think it's the ideal setup for you know, a really wet hunt where you're going to need to dry a lot of clothes, which was why I was trying to put my hands on a teepee stove combo. Cause I think for two dudes, something like the Kafaru sawtooth would have been ideal. And Lander was willing to let me borrow his teepee and stove, but they were all the way up in Prince George. So that's not going to happen. So I'm going to take the NIAC and I think Spencer's bringing some MSR tent. I'm not sure exactly. Again, I'm going to take the Big Agnes Q-Core SLX. Yes, this thing went flat on me last time. Yes, I'm kind of pissed at them because I had to spend a shitload in shipping and duties to get my so-called warranty replacement sent back out to me. But really, for the weight, there just isn't another pad that has the same size, temperature, and comfort ratings. Like, this is a really comfy pad. And unless you're going to get up into like the 35, 36 ounces, this, there really is no other competition to this pad for like a really comfy pad like this and really trying to beat it and go lighter. I could take my Neo air light, but I sleep like shit on that thing. Um, I would save 12 ounces. So the big Agnes Q core SLX weighs 24 ounces, the wide long and the Thermarest Neo air X light large or extra large, whatever it's called. The biggest one they make, it weighs in it. It's either 12, yeah, it's 12 ounces, three quarters of a pound. I will be, now here's where things get interesting. So I am going to take the Sitka Kelvin Aerolite sleeping bag. Yes, that is the new uh, sleeping bag that has the armholes in it and you can hook it between your legs and do a bunch of weird shit with it. Some people love it. Some people hate it. Uh, I thought it was a very interesting piece of gear. I don't know if I'm going to like it. I, I think I might be too big for it. I don't know, but they sent it to me and I'd like to run it. So I'm going to run it. Um, now what that means is I'm also going to be very intentional about my puffy gear because this particular bag is not, you can run it solo, but the true value of this bag is by using it in conjunction with the rest of your insulation-based layers so that you kind of have a modular sleep system depending on the ambient temperatures. So I will, I'll get into the puffy stuff that I'm going to be taking in a minute, but just recognize I'm not going to be using that bag kind of independent of my puffy gear. I'm going to be using it in conjunction with my puffy gear. And then for a pillow, I'm going to take the Sea to Summit Eros Premium Deluxe Pillow. Now, I have a smaller Sea to Summit pillow that I thought I was going to take to save some weight, but to be honest with you, it's only two ounces lighter. This one is 6.4, and I think the smaller one is 4.5, and this is quite a large pillow, so for the extra two ounces, I was like, this just doesn't make any sense. Okay, let's move on to the clothing that is packed. So, 
Sitka Kelvin Active Jacket. Now, this to me is typically what I run for my first active insulation layer. I would run some type of base layer, then I would run this jacket, and then I would run like a static insulation, or if it was a warmer hunt, I would just run a rain jacket over that when necessary. I'm going to be treating it a little bit differently this hunt, and I'll get into that once I discuss the clothing that I'm going to wear in. My next level of insulating gear will be the Sitka Kelvin Aerolite jacket. This is also new to me. It's a synthetic puffy. It's made of the same compounds that the Aerolite sleeping bag is made out of. So this is kind of like I will likely be sleeping in a base layer with the Aerolite puffy in the Aerolite bag. And then for a rain jacket, I'm going to take the Sitka Dewpoint jacket. Now, packed for my bottom base layer is a pair of Arcteryx Modus AR long johns. I love these long johns. I've had trouble finding other pairs that are either like thin enough in warm temperatures or thick enough in cold temperatures. And I always seem to either be too sweaty or too cold. The thing that I like about these particular long johns is that they are a little bit thicker. Like they're uh they're definitely like a mid-weight long john, I would say. But because they're so good at wicking moisture and dissipating heat, I can hike in these and a pair of rain pants in relatively mild temperatures and totally be comfortable. So I highly recommend I'm super excited. I've had these on a couple of hunts now um, and I'm very happy with them and I haven't to be quite honest with you found a comparable option. I'll get into this in a minute too, but all of my underwear, I have had to go outside of the hunting world. There used to be these pair, I forget what they were called. They were from First Light. I really liked them, but the problem was they would they would blow out after like 20 days, like most of First Light's Merino shit. It's super comfortable and blows out in 20 hunting days. And luckily, most of the people who wear it only hunt 20 days every five years. So it feels like it lasts a really long time for them. Now for bottoms insulating, I'm going to take the Sitka Kelvin light down three quarter pants. So this is a hybrid insulation. It is a combination of down and synthetic material with the philosophy that even when wet, the synthetic material will not compress and it will help maintain the loft that the down requires in order to stay functional. So Sitka kind of has a few different styles of insulation from pure synthetic. I don't even know if they have any pure down. It all might be some kind of hybrid, but I want to, I want to be very clear that the Sitka Kelvin light down pants are made from a very different material than the Sitka Kelvin Aerolite jacket. A note to Sitka, I would almost have appreciated like a different naming architecture. Like if they're going to have, like, I understand you've put the the arrow light and the light down, but I'd almost want like a different family of equipment. Like why, why do they both need to be called Kelvin? You know, let's keep our arrow light system called one thing and our hybrid insulation system called something else. I think that would have made things a little bit more clear as I get questions all the time about what's this material in this one, or how come this one's so much heavier than that one and all. And it's just very confusing to most people. Now for rain pants for the bottom, again, I'm going to take the Sitka dew point pants. I ran these on my sheep hunt this summer and I'm super impressed with how durable and kind of well built these particular pants feel uh, and the jacket, despite being as insanely light as they are. Now I have not run these for multiple years. I'm not putting like the mindful hunter built like a tank stamp on it just yet. But from early research, they appear to be very high quality, and I'm very happy with them. Gloves. I am going to take the Sitka Stormfront with the liners, and I think they might have two different types of Stormfront gloves. These are the actual gloves, not like the Blizzard mittens. I took those on a, on a goat hunt last year. They essentially have a three-ply Gore-Tex shell, and then they have a pair of liner gloves on the inside that are a combination of, it's essentially like a neoprene blend fleece. 
that um, that the liners are made of, and I, I really like these liners. And what I'll be doing is taking a secondary pair of gloves. You know those mechanics gloves that people wear? I find those are quite nice for hunting, especially in really wet conditions. You maintain your grip. The wind doesn't make your hands cold. So I'll be taking essentially those as a secondary pair of liners as well if I wanted to use those in the gloves if the other ones got particularly wet. Now, one thing to note, I think on Sitka's website, I actually haven't taken these on hunts because on Sitka's website, they say they weigh 16 or 17 ounces. And I was just like, I can't afford a pound for a pair of gloves. I'll just leave these. I went and weighed them last night and they're 6.5 ounces. That's shell and liner together. So I was actually going to email Sitka about that and just let them know that kind of they could be losing sales there because if I saw that those gloves weighed, you know, an entire pound, I probably wouldn't have bought them. Now, up next, I'm actually going to be taking a packable upper base layer as well. I have a basically long sleeve shirt from MEC. It's just a synthetic material, nothing fancy, cost me 50 or 60 bucks. And because of how wet it's going to be, I want to have two uh, base layers up top, also two base layers down below, so that if things do just get unbelievably wet, if we do have the chance to dry out, whether we build a really big fire or the rain lifts for a couple days and we get enough sun that it can actually dry some stuff, I want the ability to switch into other clothes while I draw, dry my gear. And that's pretty rare for me. I do not typically take a secondary base layers. However, I've kind of wished for them on the past couple hunts. And when you add them up, like that sure weighs six ounces. It's like, so what, man? Um, just take it. For my insulating hat layer, I'm going to take this Sitka Jetstream beanie and I'm going to bring two pairs of socks. They're both darn tough over calf light socks. Uh, wear one, leave the other one packed. So that is all the clothing that will be packed. Now, clothing worn in. Now, here's where it gets interesting. I typically wear the Sitka Core lightweight hoodie as a base layer. But to be honest with you, I've put on a few pounds lately from lifting and eating, and it's it's a bit tight. And I wasn't about to ask Sitka for a new shirt just because I've got us all beefcake. So I was a little embarrassed. So I was like, I'll just figure out another another solution. Also, I wore this as my primary base layer on another quite cold hunt. And to be honest, that Sitka Core lightweight hoodie is so thin. I mean, man, it really feels like you're wearing nothing, which is a fantastic attribute in a lot of circumstances, but not when it's cold as shit, especially not when it's raining and cold as shit. Because once that thing gets wet, the wind just blows right through it and you, you're, you essentially feel like you're wearing nothing. So instead, what I'm going to do is bring a Sitka Core lightweight short sleeve t-shirt and then wear the Sitka Core heavyweight hoodie over top. Um, I just wasn't sure how I would feel about the core heavyweight hoodie being my next to skin layer. I don't really like the feeling of that grid fleece when I get super sweaty. And I also technically having a small thin membrane between you and the grid fleece should help evacuate moisture more efficiently. Also, if I start to warm up, I can just ditch the uh, core heavyweight hoodie altogether and just run the short sleeve. Also, the short sleeve Sika t-shirt and the long sleeve lightweight mech shirt are almost interchangeable. So if I get there and it's a little bit warm, I might just go in in that mech light long sleeve. And if I get there and it's cold, I'll do the short sleeve heavyweight hoodie combo. So basically... Think of it as like a modular system. I have three potential base layers, mech, lightweight, long sleeve, Sitka, core lightweight, short sleeve, and Sitka, core heavyweight hoodie. And between those three, I have a variety of combinations that I can put together depending on the circumstances, you know, to optimize temperature management and moisture evacuation. Bottom base layer is going to be Lulu Lemon air mesh boxers. So bit I've got into this before on another podcast, but essentially I did this super extensive, you know, both natural and synthetic underwear 
review. And after literally like three or $400 worth of underwear, the ones that blew every single other manufacturer and brand out of the water was Lululemon. Like they have literally built the perfect underwear. Now I'm going to be doing a more extensive underwear review as soon as I have enough time to fucking turn around. It's just been insane these days between work and everything else that's going on. But high on my priority list is putting out this underwear review because I was so impacted by the quality of these boxers. And here's a pro tip. Yes, there's they're as expensive as shit, but you get a slight deal on a three pack. And I still think a three pack is like a hundred bucks. Yeah, you're gonna be paying 30 bucks a pair for underwear. You know what? I don't give a shit. They are phenomenal. They have just the right amount of stretch. They don't ride up. They're super breathable. They don't maintain like a like a scent or odor. They are literally the perfect boxers for me. Now I get the longer ones. And they're literally called Lululemon Air Mesh Long Boxers. If you go on their website, that's what you're going to find. I like ones that are a little bit longer because I find that taper over the quad sweep keeps them from riding up. Um, The shorter boxers tend to bunch up in my crotch and I can get chafe and all the rest of it. And it's just really uncomfortable. So yeah, super happy with those. I'm only going to bring one pair of those and my Arcteryx long john. So if it's wet, I could like sleep in one and hike in the other. Or if it's wet all the time, I could literally just wear the long johns and rain pants during the day. And then I could, I could swap out into the, um, boxers and maybe puffy pants to go to bed at night. So lots of options, lots of kind of modularity to the system. And that's, That's basically the thesis. So a lot of the stuff I'm taking, I don't have to take. If you could see me right now, I'm doing air quotes, but I'm trying to test out stuff because like that's, that's content for the podcast. That's content for you guys. It's valuable information for me, for some of the people that I'm wanting to work with. Like this is what it's all about. So yes, I have simpler systems I could run for this hunt because I know what I'm expecting, but I actually want to take a few different options, carry a couple of extra pounds on purpose so that I can swap things out back and forth and see how things operate in contrast and comparison to each other. Like that's my favorite way to do a review. Uh, reviewing something in isolation only gives you half the you know picture or half the power of the review. You need to see stuff head to head with other similar products or other products that are substitutes that are supposed to solve the same problems as the initial product. So that's why I'm taking it like kind of this weird combination of, of stuff. Um, now my pants are going to be the Sitka mountain pants. They're a little bit heavy at 26 ounces, but man, I fell in love with these things on the sheep hunt. They're hyper durable They're warm while still being highly breathable. I love the knee pads, great athletic fit, really nice four-way stretch to the material. I I don't like the Sitka Timberline pants. Now, if you have a physique that fits well, I, 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 I respect the technical construction of the Timberline pants. What I don't understand is the, the fit. Like they just feel weird on my ass. Like I feel like they're always riding down and they're super tight in the thigh and the quad. And I even got like a size 40 thinking I'll just get these giant pants and then they'll fit. And they still didn't fit right. Um, but the, but the mountain pants, and that's the thing why you got to try so much different stuff because it's not so much like what's the best out there. It's like, what's, what's going to fit me best and what's going to be the best for my particular body type. And I can tell you so far out of all the Sitka pants I've worn, the Sitka apex and the Sitka mountain pants head and shoulders better than anything else. For me, they just fit phenomenal. Now for a hat, as always, I'm going to take my Sitka ball cap. It's literally like the $20 Velcro strapped, super thin ball cap. I just, I love that thing. I can get sweaty. It dries really fast. Uh, keeps the rain off my head. I like it. I like it a lot. Uh, boots are going to be the last Sportiva Nepal GTX. And I'm going to get into this as later as well, but I had a lot of moisture management problems on the sheep hunt. Basically, I had soaking wet feet essentially the entire time. And I'm doing two things to rectify that. One, I'm going to waterproof the shit 
out of these boots with Obanauf's heavy-duty leather protectant. And I've had some other you know, materials recommended to me, but I have used that heavy-duty LP on boots for the last 15 years, and it's never let me down. I like the fact that it's like a non-silicone beeswax-based material with like some pine tar and some other shit in there. And so my plan is essentially to give like two or three coats of that to the last Sportivas. Heat the boots up with a hairdryer, slather on some Obanoffs, rinse and repeat. Secondly, I will be wearing gaiters this trip. I've gone gaiter free on a lot of my last hunts, probably because I wasn't in a whole lot of deep grass and I forgot how powerful wet grass is at like pushing moisture through your layers. And I think that was a lot of the reason that I got wet on the sheep hunt, wet feet. Like Gore-Tex, Gore-Tex's kryptonite is pressure. If you apply pressure to Gore-Tex, there's holes in Gore-Tex. That's how it works. And if you apply pressure, you can force that water through. That's why I don't care how nice the Gore-Tex is your rain jacket is made of. You're going to get wet shoulders when you're wearing a backpack because your backpack straps are going to force the water through. If you're walking in really thick brush and, and, and brush busting with your shoulders against really thick like pine boughs for an afternoon, you're going to get wet shoulders because those pine boughs are going to push the water through the jacket, same thing happens with your boots. I don't care how good the Gore-Tex is. If you're walking in that, that knee high thick grass and it's covered in dew, you're like forcing that moisture through the boots again and again and again. So because of that, I'm going to go back to wearing gaiters. I was up in the air about whether I was going to wear the outdoor research Crocs or the Sitka gaiters. And I weighed them both and they're identical. They're 11 ounces a piece. In my opinion, the outdoor research are still the superior gator. There are a couple of elements of the Sitka gator that I like a lot, but basically there's two things that don't work for me and they're pretty, you know, important things. Number one, I have gigantic feet. I wear a size 14 and the Sitka, it, it has a fairly thin, I guess, instep opening. Like where it's meant to go around your foot is pretty high up your shin. So you're really only wrapping your boot down to the upper instep. Like once your boot kind of takes on that narrow shape around your shin and starts heading straight up, that's where the Sitka gaiter is protecting your boot. The whole rest of the circumference in the in the sides and the front and the back of the boot are wide open to to moisture and grass and all the rest of it. And the reason I was clear about me having really big feet is that if you have smaller feet, this is not going to be the case. You it's almost going to be like a pair of spats. Like you will then be able to put those all the way down your boot because they only come in one size. So if you had like a size 10 boot, these things are going to go to almost the toe of the boat boot. But because I have a size 14 boot, they don't go nearly that far. Enter the outdoor research. The outdoor research, think of a pair of like bell-bottom jeans, how they flare out at the bottom. Yeah, this is a much better way to explain this. The Sitka Gators basically come straight down like a tube. So as soon as they hit your instep, that's it. They stop. The outdoor research Crocs flare out like a pair of bell bottoms. So they actually cover the whole surface area of your, of your boot, almost down to the rubber rand. And for those who are unaware, the rand is that strip of rubber that's maybe two inches wide on some boots and that, that runs all the way around the bottom of your leather, kind of contacting the upper part of your sole of your boot. So the other really nice part about the Outdoor Research Crocs is that they probably go an additional six inches higher up your calf. Now, the other thing that I want to know about the outdoor research is you can also get their expedition grade Crocs. They have an even, even wider kind of boot flare. Um, and so they're a slightly different sizing and they also have a slightly thicker Gore-Tex layer. And I might run those ones next year for uh, goat 
We'll see. I, I ordered them last year and they showed up, but because I ordered kind of one size in the Crocs and one size in the Expeditions, it turned out that the the Crocs just fit a lot better. Um, and if you're wondering, it's Outdoor Research Crocodiles, and they call that because they're gators. So crocodile, gator, you kind of get what they're doing there. Anyways, that's enough talk about gators. Uh, belt, as always, the arcade stretchy belt, the finest hunting belt ever made, in my opinion. And for trekking poles, I will take the Black Diamond Trail Ergo Corks. Now, here's the reason I put those in my clothing gear worn. When I'm thinking about pack weight, I don't include anything on my body. I used to also not include the bino pouch and harness, but I realize now the way I set my spreadsheet up, I do include that in pack weight, but I don't include things that are directly on my body. So because I will likely have trekking poles in my hand, I leave those in the clothing gear worn section. Now, one thing to note is the way I have my spreadsheet organized is that anything within that clothing gear worn section doesn't add to the pack weight up at the top, which right now, let me see how much water am I bringing? So I have two pounds worth of water, which is really only one liter. I'm probably going to take more than that. Let's say 64. So my current pack weight with two liters of water is 65 pounds. Um, but again, it will not include any of those clothing that was in the Warren section or those trekking poles. So let's go to optics. I decided to send my Zeiss Victory Harpia in for servicing. Um, it's a super new scope and there it's just a couple things about it that were bugging me. And like, I don't even know, maybe that's how it's supposed to work, but like the focus wheel felt a bit off. And to be quite honest with you, I just felt like I was having problems getting focus. I felt like with the quality of the scope, the way it was, I should have been able to focus better than I was. So I sent it in. They said they were more than happy to look at it, but it was likely going to be eight to 10 weeks. So I'm only going to go in with a pair of binoculars. Now I've got 12s and Spence has 15s. And the thing is we're going for mule deer. I mean, if that, if he's a healthy looking four by four, you know, he's going for a nap. This is not sheep hunting. I'm not concerned about counting rings and I'm not I'm not a crazy trophy hunter. I'm not a, a super well-established mule deer hunter. So I'm not going to be crazy picky. Now, am I holding out for a mature animal? 100%. I'm not killing any dink bucks. That's a fact. Um, but I don't think you need anything more than 12 or 15s in the type of terrain that we're going to know the difference between like a stud bucks that's worth going after and a dink buck that's not worth going after. So I think this is, and I think sometimes I carry my spotting scope as like a safety net and I carry the five pound thing around and barely use it. And I, so I think this is good for me to recognize like, listen, you don't need to carry this thing on, on every single hunt. Now for, a, so I'll be taking the Swarovski NL Pure 12 by 42s and I'm switching up bino harnesses. So I'm going to run the marsupial medium bino harness with their rangefinder pouch. And I'm going to be doing a compare and contrast review with the Alaska Guide Creations Kiss Cub Max bino harness, which I've run for the last almost five years now. Um, just for pure content and interest sake, I loved my AGC bino harness. And to be honest, there's already some things that I'm not a super big fan of about the marsupial. And so I don't want to be biased, but I could definitely see me going back to the AGC harness when this is done. But yeah, going to run this for the week, see how it goes, see how I like it. For rangefinder, I'm going to take a loophole RX 1400 TBR. I've talked about this thing before for 200 bucks US. There is not a single other rangefinder on the market that will do what this thing does. Great power, decent enough glass in there. It's got some amazing ballistics. Like I love it for my gun. I literally like whatever I point at, it tells me how many millirads to dial. I dial the scope to that. I pull the trigger, bullet goes where it's supposed to. Very little room for error. Um, and I like it a lot. A couple other little things. I'm going to take some, some Zeiss lens wipes and I'll take a phone scope. I actually, because I'm the one who sold Spencer his 15s, 
I still have the phone scope adapter for those 15s. And that's the only argument to bring a spotting scope really when you're self-filming is it's great to be able to work in some animal footage and it's hard to get that with binos. So at least I have the spotting scope attachment for the 15, so I should be able to get some good footage that way. Tripod, we're going with the Outdoorsman's Compact Medium with the additional extension post and the pan head. So that weighs 50 ounces all together and will get me about, I don't know, 65 inches extension at full, like when everything's fully extended, all the legs, both extension posts, the whole nine yards. Um, the extension post only adds, I think I want to say three or four ounces and maybe two, two to three inches to the compacted thing, but I can still fit the entire compact medium tripod with extension post with the pan head in my fulcrum wing pocket. Now I was going to try out the micro pan head because I think it's only seven ounces and the pan head is 10 or 11. So you can save almost a quarter of a pound. But to be honest with you, the thing is 400 bucks and I couldn't really justify spending 400 bucks just to save 300 pounds, especially when the micro pan head is not stable enough to hold my Zeiss Harpia. So the only time I could take that is when I'm going on a pure bino hunt. And to be honest, I normally do take my spotting scope. And if it was here not getting serviced, I'd be taking it right now, purely for the filming um, capacity that it adds to kind of my tool chest when I'm out there. Okay, on to weapon and camera gear. As always, taking the Tika T3X 300 Wind Mag with the Javelin Pro Hunt bipod. And remember, this has been modified aftermarket with a really nice muzzle brake and the addition of a limb saver recoil pad. Love this gun. Drills tacks all day. I'm going to be shooting the Hornady Precision Hunter 200 grain ELDX. Now I'm going to bring 10 bullets and 10 bullets weighs 11 ounces. So if you're curious, a 200 grain ELDX 300 Win Mag, it weighs 1.1 ounces. I finally weighed those the other day because I really had no idea how much bullets weighed or my particular bullets weighed. And the scope on this gun is a Vortex Viper PST Gen 2 3 to 15 by 44 first focal plane. Funny story. I finally bought a new scope. Now listen, I am not a Vortex guy, kind of at all, to be honest. They kind of bugged the shit out of me, but this scope is a fucking tank, man. I have beat the shit out of this gun, multiple hunts, multiple circumstances, cold, wet, steep, deep, you name it. It's never lost zero. Most times when I go to check it, I literally rock up, dial into 400, pull the trigger once, hit the gong, go home. Like it's that good. Problem is it weighs 28 ounces. And maybe, maybe this is, this is actually part of the problem is that in the quest for lighter scopes, we're compromising durability. But what I bought was a Leupold VX5 HD 3 to 15 by 44 uh, duplex fire dot. And it only weighs 19 ounces. So I'm saving nine ounces, like well over half a pound, but I simply did not have time. I had time to swap out the scopes, but I wouldn't have had time to go out and re-zero it. And I don't know if you've ever tried to re-zero a gun in a rush or sight in a gun in a rush. Terrible idea. When you are not in a rush, you're going to go out there, a couple turns with an Allen wrench here, a couple turns with an Allen wrench there, drop a couple bullets, recalibrate, drop a couple more. Bob's your uncle, go home with a smile on her face. As soon as you're in a rush, it's like you're getting weird lefts and rights. And it's like, it just, and it just, it sucks, man. And then you end up leaving the range with an unzeroed gun, feeling a lack of confidence in your weapon, which is the worst thing in the world. And it was like, I've been down that road before. And finally, like the wisdom of age is starting to kick in. And I was like, just don't do this to yourself, man. It's a half a pound. You just ran out of time, leave the scope the way it is you know you feel solid with this setup. So leaving it the way it is. On to camera gear. Sony Alpha 1 with the Deity mic with a single lens, 24 to 70 f2.8 Sigma art lens. I took a 35, no, I took a 14 mil lens on the sheep hunt. And to be honest with you, I barely use the thing. I would really like it for trophy photos at the end. 
And you can get some super cool shots. You know, I really like how Nick Treehern utilizes kind of off kilter horizons and wide angle lenses. Like his style is just so good. And I was really inspired to try and achieve some similar looks. But just with being a hunter and a photographer and a filmmaker at the same time, I had to make some compromises. So I'm leaving the 14 mil. Now, if when Spencer comes over Friday to go over gear, if he's like, yeah, my pack weighs 50 pounds. If you want to put something in it, go ahead. I will probably put that 14 mil in there. But if it's on me, I'm going to leave it at home. I am going to take both GoPros on this trip. I have gotten into the habit recently of only taking one because I realized I just wasn't using both. But because of the high likelihood of rain on this hunt, I might end up filming the vast majority of this hunt on a GoPro just because it's so bomb proof in the weather and I'm not risking a $10,000 Sony camera uh, to the elements. So it might have to you know, stay packed up for most of the trip. So I'm gonna bring both GoPros and a variety of mounting mechanisms. I can mount it on my trekking pole, gorilla pod, head strap. I'm gonna bring two Sony batteries and two GoPro batteries. Miscellaneous gear. I am going to bring a three-quarter length glassing pad. So it's the Thermarest Z-Lite pads. I used to just bring the Z-Seat and it's just like, I don't know, maybe 16 inches by 16 inches. And it's like, I'm a big dude. So your ass barely fits on the thing and you normally get like a wet thigh. And when I went hunting with Spencer and Tristan, they brought the full length pads and they're like laying down on them. And they're like laughing at me trying to fit on this postage stamp size glassing pad. So I said, screw it. I'm bringing the whole thing. But I also, there's no point in overkill. I don't need a 72 inch glassing pad. So this is actually the glassing pad that I cut the bottom quarter off of for my goat hunt. Because if you're going to lie prone in the snow, you need something that's going to help you maintain temperature. So I'm taking a three quarter length thermarest pad in addition to my actual sleeping pad. Now, my possibles pouch. And I actually went through and wrote an entire list of everything in here. So this weighs 30 ounces. So just over a pound and a half. And I have vacuum bag clips for my kind of DIY freeze dried situation that I'll explain in a moment. Water tabs, earplugs, salt pills, sleeping pad repair kit, SteriPen batteries, headlamp batteries, fire starter, gear tape, toothpaste, toothbrush, Voltaren, lighters times two, soap, spices, long spoon, paracord, SteriPen, compass, and blue kitchen sponge for condensation. So that's everything in my possibles pouch, weighs a pound and a half. Also going to have some lip balm, wind check. Um, in my kill kit, I'm going to have a Havilon Piranha knife, my hunting licenses, caribou gear carnivore game bags, probably only going to take three of those, still need to wear them out. Uh, for camp shoes, I'm going to take my Crocs, Satellite Messenger, DeLorme InReach Explorer, cell phone, iPhone 12 Pro Max. For chargers, I'm going to take both a 20,000 milliamp hour and a 10,000 milliamp hour charger. The 12,000 milliamp hour weighs 12 ounces and the 10,000 milliamp hour weighs seven ounces. Um, I don't like taking just one battery cell. Uh, because those things can die for weird reasons, leave them out in the cold. You can go from 80% to 0% real fast on any of these things. Um, and just weird, you could accidentally leave something plugged in or who knows. Um, so I always like to have a backup. So I will leave that 10,000 milliamp hour one just buried in my gear. And the only reason I will break that out is if something happens to the 20,000 milliamp hour because I should be able to get away with a full hunt without having to go through that whole thing. Some more miscellaneous stuff, my coffee mug. Now it's funny. I have this GSR micro light coffee mug that's like one of those cylindrical thermos-like coffee mugs with the, it's like a flip top lid. So super waterproof, you know, super spill proof. You can put it in your backpack full of hot coffee and you never have to worry about it. It's definitely like my luxury item. Like if they asked you that, what are you taking to the desert island? I have this coffee mug on that list. The issue now is I finally weighed it. I used to think it was like six ounces and I weighed it and it turned out to be 11 ounces. So I'm like just one ounce shy of three quarters of a pound. So I'm literally asking myself last night, 
is it worth three quarters of a pound to have hot coffee? And like instantly I'm like, fuck yeah, it is. I don't care. I'm taking this thing. Because here's what I like to do, especially when you're with two guys in camp, you can't drink your coffee out of your stove pot because the other guy's got to use it. And you, otherwise I'm bringing some small plastic cup that I'm, that I can only drink while in camp. What I like to do is make my morning coffee, put it in my thermos mug, drink half of it while I have my breakfast and then leave the other half in my backpack. And then depending on whether we're glassing or hiking or whatever the situation is, I've basically got this hot cup of coffee that I can pull out at a moment's notice and have a couple of sips of hot coffee all the way until noon when it's probably done. And then I make my second mug for the day. And again, do the same thing, drink half of it with lunch and then leave it in my backpack to sip on throughout the day. And this to me is just one of those really good examples where like, I'm with you. Ounces make pounds and pounds make pain. However, You need to have your luxury items. You need to have those things that give you that mental respite because regardless of how broke down your body is, if your mind and your emotional state is strong, you're going to push on. And I am not, it is not bullshit for me to say having fresh coffee all day definitely improves my mood. So there you have it. I'm taking an 11 ounce coffee mug and I don't give a shit. I'm bringing a Nalgene, a Hydro Force a kind of platypus camel bag, um, like a bladder with the hose that you sip through and then an MSR drum light six liter bag. So here's the deal with all that. Like, why do you need all these different devices? I use a SteriPen to purify water, which means by default, you have to bring something like a Nalgene. You need an open mouth container that you can stick the SteriPen in and, and stir around the water. You can't do that directly in the bladder. So if that's the case, well, then why are you bringing the bladder? I don't drink for shit unless I have that hose beside me on my backpack strap. Otherwise, I will just hike all day and I won't stop and I won't drink and I get to the end of the day and I'm dehydrated and I'm cramping and it's it's brutal. So I know myself, if I want to drink regularly, I need to have it easily accessible without taking my backpack off. So that's why I do that. And then the drum light is for ferrying water. So if we decide to set up a base camp, there's not a good water source nearby. I can essentially carry 10 liters at a time. I can carry three liters in my hydroforce bladder, six liters in my uh, MSR drum light, and one liter in my Nalgene. And additionally, I could carry another three quarters of a liter in my coffee mug if I had to. But I could basically go to a water source, load up with 10 liters, bring it back to camp. And I would have, you know, if I was kind of conservative, that would leave me with water for three days. Cook kit, taking the MSR reactor and one medium fuel canister. It's like those 250 gram ones. Had a really interesting kind of revelation. I own a Jetboil Minimo with a one liter pot and an MSR reactor with a 1.7 liter pot. I always thought the Minimo was considerably lighter than the MSR reactor. I mean, it's almost half the size. It turns out there's only a couple ounces of difference. And here's where things get really interesting. When you bring two small fuel canisters, the excess metal outweighs the fuel benefit. So you can bring just as much actual fuel with a medium fuel canister, but because it's in one fuel canister, you have a significant weight savings because you don't have these two metal fuel canisters. And so the MSR reactor with one medium fuel canister weighs exactly the same amount as the Jetboil Minimo with two small fuel canisters. So the MSR reactor is by far the superior stove in almost every way. It, you know, it boils quicker, more wind resistant, more reliable, uh, better at altitude. It doesn't have a piezo lighter. That's a little bit annoying. So you have to make sure you have a lighter with you. Um, and it has a 1.7 liter pot. So yeah, no brainer, definitely taking the MSR reactor. And now I've kind of had to put a new rule in place. The only time that the Minimo is a superior choice is on hunts where you're going to be less than five days and you can get away with a single 100 gram canister. 
Headlamps, I'm bringing two Black Diamond Revolts. The old one, which is maybe 250 lumens, and the new one, which is 350. They're both USB chargeable. Love these headlamps. Uh, first aid kit, toilet paper, Ziploc bags. Let's talk food. I'm gonna give you a brief rundown, but I'm gonna do a separate video for this because to be honest, I still have to pack the food and I haven't figured out like exact rations yet. But for broad strokes, this is essentially what's coming. So for breakfast, I'm doing a DIY granola. So what I did was I just bought some Harvest Crunch cereal. I bought a bag of dried cranberries and I'm gonna put a cup and a quarter of granola, a quarter cup of cranberries, and two scoops of protein in a vacuum bag. And I'm gonna open up in the morning, pour a little bit of water in, and that's essentially like my homemade peak refuel mountain berry granola. Only that shit costs like 10 bucks a meal, and when I did it with my own ingredients, it costs like three bucks a meal. So a bit of a no-brainer. I think my daughter just got home, so if we hear any stomping around upstairs, you'll know what's doing. So let's wrap this up quick. Uh, taking my Starbucks Via Instant Roast Coffee, Gonna bring some trail mix. Take my Green Belly's meal, Green Belly meal as always for lunch. Some macadamia nuts, some additional whey isolate. Gonna run the Wilderness Athlete protein bars because I have a case of them here that they sent me. And I also have those little pack bites or whatever they're called that are like pretty delicious. I will be running peak refuel dinners and I'll be putting an additional packet of macadamia nut oil in each of those. I will be running peak refuel dinners and I'll be putting an individual packet of MCT oils in each of those dinners. I think I'm going to grab a little bit of sausage from my butcher because I really like this bacon sausage that they make. And I'm going to be bringing some probably Mio and some hydrate and recover in order to have electrolyte mix to put in with all my all my drinking water. And then for additional supplements, I'll have some greens, a fiber supplement, fish oil, and a couple random vitamins that I think really contribute to kind of gut health and lowering inflammation while in the backcountry. Okay, there you go. That is my 2021 late season mule deer hunt gear list. Uh, any questions, hit me up, jayatmindfulhunter.com or uh, send me a message, Instagram, mindful underscore hunter, same thing on YouTube, super easy to find. Uh, and what I will do in addition to this is most likely depending on the schedule, cause actually the podcast is pretty packed with guests coming up over the next few weeks. What I will do is a breakdown video, maybe two or three weeks after the hunt, let you know how everything ran, what I liked, what I didn't like, and what I would do differently. So for everyone whose who's hunts are over, I hope you had a great season. For those of you still out in the field or still heading out, good luck. Let's get it done. And as always, thanks for tuning in.